0: Hello and welcome to episode 543 of the Pen Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Dowdy, and today I'm joined by someone who is the answer to a Pen trivia question. Who was the first guest to appear on the podcast? That answer is found all the way back in episode number 17, over 10 years ago, as the man who brought, brought sketch notes into our lives, and that is one Mike Rohde. How's it going, Mike?
1: Hey, it's going great. I had no idea that that <laughs> trivia was related to me. That's pretty cool.
0: how How does it feel knowing that we last talked on this show, despite talking you know plenty of times in the interim? That that was actually ten years ago. What is wow. do, does that register in your head at all?
1: It kind of does because I've been forced to deal with it <laughs> since the Sketch Note Handbook is ten years old <laughs> yep. uh, as of November thirtieth. So I've been thinking about all these like, man. Ten years ago, we, that's what, what was going on. So it 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 sort of su- surprises me, and at the same time, is no surprise at all.
0: Yeah. So to prepare for this, I actually went back and listened to that episode, which I, I'm not going to recommend the listeners do because I sounded terrible. <laughs> you were awesome. Like if y'all just want to listen to Mike's side, Mike was great. Um, and uh, I sounded terrible. So, <laughs> but I, I did so I did some prep for that uh, by listening to that. Um. Mm-hmm and you know we're obviously going to talk about lots of things that have you know transpired in the last decade of of working on sketch notes working your regular job you know writing books and and all this other stuff that has that has changed back then so we're going to dig into all that but before we do we have probably gained one or two listeners since episode 17 <laughs> probably in the last decade so some people actually might not be familiar with sketchnotes, and that's most what I have when I uh, discuss with you today, and we'll talk about plenty of other things as well. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, you mentioned, you know, the 10th anniversary of the sketchnote handbooks coming up, but for those uninitiated, can you give us a little bit of uh, uh, just what is notes or what is sketchnoting?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, a great uh, entry for those who've heard the term or maybe they've seen stuff on Instagram and they're not really sure like what exactly that means. It is, it's a visual note-taking approach and a mindset in a lot of ways where um, you take the writing that you're doing now, you sort of reduce it to the key concepts and then you have the freedom to add drawings or if you like to do lettering or little icons, you can add color. So it's a way to be a little bit more creative with your note-taking and the reason why I think it's valuable to jump right into that is when you're using the visual aspects of your mind, I think it actually helps you remember better. It helps for recall. It helps you to map it out in more parts of your brain than simply the verbal part of your brain. So there's huge advantages that I've heard and I've experienced um, where it, it's got huge benefits. So basically, it's writing a bit less, being more focused on big ideas, and then using visuals, lettering icons, drawings, to help capture your thinking in that moment.
0: Yeah. And listening back to the original podcast, just kind of seeing how that discussion went, we talked about, you know, how people should sketch, sketch, and we'll have tips and tricks on, on all that before, but the key takeaway I had listening back to that interview. Is that you're doing this for yourself, right? You're not mm-hmm. going in there to create something necessarily to to give to someone, even though you know that's that may be a, a secondary aspect. But the real reason that one might choose to sketch note is to help you learn the information better, retain the information better. Think of it as like something personal for you, as opposed to doing it for someone else, right?
1: Right. I think that's a really great. Point to bring out uh, for a couple of reasons. One, if someone is considering this or thinking about maybe trying it, it reduces the pressure because you don't have to show anybody your work. It's just for you. And if it helps you, I always say, if you're doing sketch noting, does it help you remember? Does it help you stay engaged? Does it help you feel like you're having fun? You know, engaging with the content, whatever that might be, then it's a win, right? Like if it doesn't look great or it's imperfect or you have too much space over there or that you spelled that wrong, like who cares, right? Because it's a resource for you first and then for others. And that's sort of the way I've always approached it. And if you've heard of a term called graphic recording, let's say, which is kind of a professional version of sketchnoting in a general sense, typically it's large scale, but it can be done digitally. Um, Those people are highly trained individuals. They're trying to be as neutral as possible. It's intended for a large audience to review and see later. So, their whole reason for doing it is different than an individual sketchnoting, mm-hmm. right? So, there's, but that's not to say, though, that there are sketchnoters who are paid and paid pretty well for doing this work because it's not easy at that, at that level or for that purpose. Because, again, you're trying to think, like, what would a reader want to see? You sort of have to put yourself into um, a reader's. Uh, shoes, which might be you or might not be you, right? So, it's a little bit different uh, requirement or approach than just doing it personally for yourself. So, I would recommend if you're thinking about trying it out to definitely take this mindset that you're you're doing experiments, uh, you're doing it for yourself. If it's imperfect, it's okay. That there's a really simple way to draw if you want to add drawings and that the pressure should be low. It's not, you're not p- producing some amazing art piece you're just augmenting your way of thinking by using visuals which your brain is and your body is designed to handle and do.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's great. So how how long have you been personally sketch noting before, you know, the the bigger the big capital sketch noting uh happened. I know you've been doing this for a very very long time.
1: Yeah, that's a that's another good question. Um I would say I intentionally started sketch noting in early 2007 that's when Mm -hmm. i really i went out and i did an experiment where i took a small notebook and a pen a gel pen to a design conference i'm a designer by Mm -hmm. trade um and intentionally went out to see could i record information at this all-day workshop that i could then refer to later with the intention of doing sketch notes what i called sketch notes but the funny thing was is um as i started digging digging through things in my archive of stuff from being a design student I started looking back and I could see in definitely in college, I was doing sketchnoting. I didn't have a name for it. <laughs> sure. Um, and even if I, I suspect if I look back further in time, you know, I was doing the same stuff even in high school and grade school. I I remember I used to make my own newspapers. I made my own comic books. Like there was so much making going on. And I'm sure that this blend of simple ideas, drawing and visualization blended together existed, but I didn't really have a name for it. So Interestingly enough, when I talk to people, there's typically one of two responses. One is, oh, I've been doing this like my whole life, but I never knew what to call it. Thank you for giving it a name. Or the second option is, I have never thought about doing this and never seen it before. This is really cool. Thank you for providing a name and giving me permission to do it, right? So there are a lot of people who were doing this work or doing something like it. And either they might have been scolded by a teacher or they just... (laughs) Were doing it and didn't have there was no name for it so sometimes you know the the joy of like naming something is that you give uh definition and shape to it so it can then grow right if it's sort of nebulous it's hard to like go in a go forward and and grow it and go in a different direction so I'm really honored that I was lucky enough to have come up mm-hmm. with the name for it and then it not only that but then it really took off in the community with people using that word and then Driving it further than I could have ever imagined.
0: Yeah, it's funny when you, like you said, going back to look at your notes or someone else realizing that oh, I kind of, kind of did these things before. In the analog communities, the circles that we run in, um, you find a lot of people have gravitated towards these analog tools because of everything you've said before. It helps them, you know, process information or retain information. And someone you know, maybe in college was sitting there in, you know, chemistry class and was drawing their notes instead of writing their notes, mm-hmm. because that's the best way that they process information. And then you, you know, kind of, you know, accidentally came up with like this general framework of, hey, you can kind of do this for real. And it's, it's very helpful. And I think that's just a super interesting way to, to think about like sketchnoting. You might have, all of it, someone listening today might I've been doing something like this all along, but there's actually ways that, you know, you can focus on it, you know, um, help focus on it uh, to help you do a little bit better job or to retain information better or just uh, have fun, you know, when you're listening to a conference or in a class or something like that. It's great. So when I was listening back to the podcast, you and I used a term or a platform uh, mentioned it many, many times during this uh, original interview 10 years ago. And that is Flickr. So that must have been how I originally found you back in the day. Flickr still exists as a photo sharing website, but it was very, very popular back when you and I, I probably, we probably started talking probably not long after 2007, 2008, 2009, because that's when I started the Penatic blog. And then I'm finding, hey, this guy doing these cool, like, art notes, you know, I didn't know at the time what they were called, um, and sharing them on Flickr. So what was it like when you started to share your work digitally, the feedback you were getting and you know, what, what ideas did that give you at the time when you started to, to get some people noticing this?
1: Well, it's interesting. Flickr was a real key tool in, I think the development and the propagation of sketchnotes Mm -hmm. in the world for a couple of reasons. Number one is, um, at the time, that was one of the dominant social media. I mean, Twitter. I think absolutely came out in two thousand and six, but it was pretty niche at that point, right? It wasn't right. didn't have the wide adoption it has now. And Flickr was much more of a sort of it had some weight to it, and people were spending time there and doing stuff. Now most yeah, it was kind people were pre
0: Instagram, pre Instagram yeah, a little bit, maybe too. So exactly,
1: yeah. that's a good way to describe it. It you know it was like. Um, I was sort of using it in an abnormal way, I guess, <laughs> that they intended, right? Because typically it was people with ph- photography, beautiful photography that was going up there. Mm-hmm. Here I am, like, putting up, like, sketchnotes and or samples of logo designs or, you know, like, I really sort of went in a different direction. But I think the reason why Flickr um, was so important, number one, is that first workshop that I went to in Chicago to test sketchnoting to do my first experiment um, my intention was when I got done was well I should just post this on Flickr and see what kind of reaction I think you could you could even sort of like uh, at someone I don't think it was called that you could mm-hmm. note like the speakers could be identified right uh, yeah to right. the to the images so I did that and what was really interesting was those the people that attended the conference really enjoyed it because it was a way to capture the day they spent with me in that same room to understand yeah. these design concepts but what uh what really kind of blew me away was there were people that were not at the event they were like in other continents right they were saying these notes are really great they're uh, i'm learning something from them and maybe you know if it comes to my area i might attend it right so it's like wow like this is having a much broader impact than you know what we first talked about for me first and then for others even though i'd really intended it for myself there was an application where other people could draw value from it um, and make use of it and be inspired by it. It's like, wow, this is really cool. I I should probably keep experimenting with this. So <laughs> that was one of the aspects. The second thing I'll say about Flickr was they were super early into the Creative Commons. If you don't know what creative, yes. creative Commons is, that's Larry Lessig was this attorney. They had this idea like, why couldn't we like set predetermined usage rights that you could apply to your work so that if somebody wanted to say, use your image in a blog post or something, they could just follow the pattern that creative commons set up for what their usage was, you know, give you credit and then they would never have to email you or anything. It was all built into the system. So I that was an experiment I did too like, hey, let's try this creative commons and make it available and I think it really helped to get the early sketch notes particularly at South by Southwest when I did that onto people's blogs at the time and then it, people started noticing it, right? It was easy it made it easy and frictionless to take images you liked and integrate them into your blog posts, which everybody knows like blog posts with images are way more, you know, people read them and check them out. So it was a huge benefit on both sides. So I think those two things were really critical, critical thing that Flickr, you know, played a part in it. And it's partly why I'm still there today. I have so much stuff up there. It's just Mm. easier to keep it than to get rid of it. It's um, so I'm, and I'm really happy with, you know, what it provides to me.
0: You know, it's an interesting thought I had while you were talking about, you know, people listening to your conference or or watching your videos and sharing their work that the the internet really helped, you know, over the last couple of decades to allow us to attend class in our own home, right? Or pick up a conference in our own home or watch a video in our mm-hmm. own home or join a meeting with a bunch of other people in our own home and Therefore, I can sit at my desk, get out my tools, in this case, you know, like a notebook and a pen to sketchnote while I'm doing this. And, hey, I can go show Mike, hey, look at the notes I created for this. Where in the past, when you were first starting it, you know, in college, you're in class and, you know, you have to physically be there to get that information. You know, the classes aren't necessarily, you know, available online. So, yeah, I think that's a, uh, I don't know, that was just a real interesting side thought I had there that um, this mm-hmm. this last 20 years of the Internet has really allowed for us analog tool lovers to use our tools in different ways like sketchnoting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, did you realize it was kind of a big thing? At, like, was there a turning point when you thought oh, there's way more people paying attention to this? Was there any one thing? Like, did you get, uh, like you talked about South by Southwest, was it, you know, did they reach out and have you come down and sketchnote, you know, X, Y, and Z conference uh, or, you know, meeting or presentation? Or was there some kind of turning point where you're like, oh, let's do a little bit more with sketchnoting?
1: <laughs> yeah, there definitely was. It was right around 2008, 2009, I would say. Um, so I so the first test that I did was early 2007 and I experimented kind of locally with events. I did one for um, the people over at 37 signals, did a, a conference and that they put it on their blog and that made it really attractive for a, bu- a new audience, which were mostly developers or designers mm-hmm. um, and then kept on working it. And then early in 2008, I decided, okay, I didn't need to really test this thing out. I didn't need to go to South by Southwest interactive, spend a week in like, see, can I survive a week? Like, would my hand or my brain fry out first? And as it turned out, my brain fr- fried out <laughs> first uh, because it was just so much good information. Um, mm-hmm. And so I did that experimentation and posted it. That was where Flickr really came in handy with you know Creative Commons and people being able to put images with their blog posts about their experience. Twitter was starting to come into that. And the I think the turning point for me was Number one, next year in two thousand nine, South by Southwest said, Hey, we want to hire you to come and do this work mm. at the event. We'll get we'll pay we'll basically pay you in a badge. And then you spend a week, you know, like capturing whatever you think is important and we'll help promote it. So that was huge. But then the other part that I think made me realize, like, holy cow, this is way bigger than I thought it was, was when I started seeing people I didn't even know doing sketchnoting and posting it. And there was sort of this, um, you know, there's this moment where I was like, okay, uh, this is my thing. These people are doing my thing. Like, I was sort of excited and kind of like, wait a minute, they're like taking my thing, right? Like there's that human thing where you think, oh man, that's my thing. Someone else has got my thing. I don't know if I like (laughs) that feeling. And I I sort of checked myself and I said, now, wait a minute, you know, I'm a big believer in Seth Godin's Idea, Idea Virus, which is a book that came out right around the turn of the 2000s. Where he had this contention that if you have a really good idea, there's no way you're going to stop it from proceeding. Like it's going to find a way to be alive. And if you have a bad idea, it's going to die. And no matter how much money you pour into it, it's just not going to go. Like people will not adopt it just because you put a lot of money in it. So I remembered that and I thought, you know what? There's a real opportunity to think about this from a community perspective in that it's actually great that people are doing it and I don't know who they are. That means that it has legs that Mm. i couldn't have predicted and that means that people see value in it without me having to explain it they are doing it on their own without prodding like and they're excited to share and they're getting positive feedback which then encourages them to do more of it i made a decision at that point it was less about me and more about we like the the, all of us getting a benefit because ultimately it was a problem that i faced like i was taking notes in a different way where I felt like I had to write everything. It was a burden. I hated taking notes. I didn't look at them. Like it was all negative stuff. And having discovered sketchnoting was like a huge breakthrough for my understanding and the way that I approached information. So I thought if I'm helping other people feel the same way, like that's a huge win. I should totally back them and be behind them. So from that point on, I've definitely focused on the community. And then anybody who's teaching it, people that write books, like Anybody who's in the community that's doing this work, um, I'm behind them because ultimately there's there's a ton of people who don't use this concept and have all these visual skills that they're not making use of. And our job is to activate those skills in people who don't use them, right? So that's a huge, big goal to get behind that you know it's easy to support anybody doing work in the space because the ultimate goal is larger than any of us and probably will last longer than our lifetimes which is kind of a cool thing to be part of
0: yeah that that's really that's really cool to see and and to hear about so all right i'm since you you talk about teaching uh, a lot i want you to help our listeners uh you know get into their first sketch notes if they haven't done done all of that so we're gonna we're gonna get into that in one second we gotta first take our our first little break today and hear from one of our lovely sponsors and the other mike on this podcast who you might hear in these ad breaks throughout this episode mr mike
2: hurley this episode of the pen addict is brought to you by our friends at trade coffee If you've been getting your coffee from the grocery store and drinking the same coffee every day, it's time to try something even better with Trade Coffee. It's so easy to get fresh roasts delivered to your doorstep from local roasters around the country with Trade. And hey, maybe you can free someone that you love from the grocery store coffee too. Trade is a coffee subscription service that makes it so simple for you to discover new coffees and make your best cup of coffee at home every day. Trade partners of the nation's top-rated roti- top independent roasters to send you coffee that you're going to love, fresh to your home and on your preferred schedule. Whether you already know what you like or you're new to specialty coffee and need some help, Trade makes it incredibly easy and convenient to discover new coffees. You've heard me and Brad wax eloquently about the coffee that we love from Trade Coffee. You've heard us talk about the roasters that we found and, you know, Brad's always mentioning how he finds someone local too, which he loves, and then finds something new from them. And I just love the variety that Trade have. Every single cup of coffee that I've made from beans sent to me by Trade is perfect. And I have them send me beans, but you can have it with whatever uh, style that you're looking for, for how you make your coffee at home. Trade Coffee is the perfect gift for loved ones. They make it easy with their digital gifting options for last-minute shoppers, wink, wink, or their coffee and equipment bundles if you want to put something under the tree. Treat yourself or that coffee lover in your life of Trade Coffee. This is a wonderful gift to buy for somebody who enjoys good coffee because you can never have enough Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of thirty dollars off a subscription and access to limited time holiday specials. Go to drinktrade.com slash penaddict. That's D R I N K T R A D E dot com slash penaddict for thirty dollars off. Drinktrade.com slash penaddict. Our thanks to Trade Coffee for their support of this show and all of Relay FM.
0: All right, let's talk actual sketch noting here. Someone mm. wants to go and consider, you know, sketchnoting this meeting they're going to or this conference trip that they're going on. Can you give us kind of like the top level tips that you teach when you're talking about sketchnoting to someone for the first time?
1: Sure can. I would love to. So there's two things that I would say immediately if you want to do an number one is uh experimental mindset. Think of yourself as a scientist running an experiment. And if the experiment goes crazy and haywire, you've just learned something and you mm. can apply it on your next next experiment. If it fails, you know, you don't say, "Oh, uh, experiment failed. Can't do sketch noting ever again. Like that's not. That's just not the way it works. It's iterative. It's experimental, and you give yourself the freedom to like see what happens. That's kind of fun, right? So that would be the first mindset thing I would say. The second thing I would say is focus on really simple drawing. And I've got a free video on YouTube, and I'll give you the show note link to it that you yeah, can watch. We'll have all it's these like
0: links in the show notes for everyone to go grab.
1: It's like twenty minutes long, and you, the drawing part's even shorter. It's like five six minutes, so you can get a feel for what drawing with this approach that I teach is five basic shapes, circle, triangle, square, line, and dot. And you kind of put them together like Legos. So it reduces drawing to this, Hey, we're capturing ideas. We're not worrying about it being perfect. It, it takes all the baggage away from artwork and just makes it idea capture. So that would be the second thing. I guess that there'd be a third thing. And I would say, if you're new to it, don't feel like you have to go draw everything and it's got to be beautiful and perfect And, you know, comparative to someone who's been doing it like me for years and years, like that's not a fair way to put yourself in a position. It would be better to simply do this. And I say, if you're taking notes, let's say analog notes now, this is a pen addict podcast, right? So you've got a notebook, your favorite pen, and you just write notes. So what I would say is the very first step is on your page um, to just designate a column on the right side. And that's for drawing. So on the left side, you continue to write your notes. You can do bullet points or whatever you do, right? And you write that information in, and then you've got a column on the right. And when something comes to your mind, because you're going to go into it with an experimental mindset, when something comes in your mind and says, oh, that, that image is in, in my mind, or I see something on the PowerPoint up in, on the screen, or I, I observe something in my environment, that then you have the freedom now to draw some little tidbit really quickly using those five basic elements in that column. And then when you fill up the column, you're done. And then, you know, if you want to flip to the next page, you can do so. But basically, it's sort of this really simple toe-in-the-water way to experiment where you just have this dedicated column for drawings. And the cool thing is you can do them while you're taking notes if it occurs to. you, Or if you get done with the notes and let's say you've only filled half that right-hand column, which is maybe, I'd say maybe a quarter of the page on the right side, Let's say you've got empty space at the bottom. You could just reflect on your notes, go back and read through your notes, reflect on them. And then, oh, that, that's an interesting idea. Then fill it in and just fill up the space with images. So that would be a really great way to enter into sketchnoting and sort of do that for a while. And then the, the goal would be is to slowly integrate the images into your text so they sort of work together. But that can be a longer-term experiment, right? You start first with this designated space and then as you get comfortable with that, you say, okay, I feel pretty comfortable. This is working for me. Maybe you stay that way forever. I don't know. That would be a fine sketch note. But maybe then you say, okay, I'm going to now integrate a drawing. I'm just going to leave space in my, in my written notes and then assume that I'll put a drawing there and then come back and fill it in. That could be level two. And then level three could be like really embracing it and sort of trying some new things. But that, that's for later on when you feel more comfortable. So I would say, you know, take it gradually. It's an iterative process. It's experimental. So if it goes haywire, like laugh about it. And then, you know, just like a good improv person, you, you'd sort of roll with it. And that would yeah. be what I would recommend for somebody listening.
0: Yeah, I think the ex- experimentation aspect is key, right? You just want to start, kind of figure out what's, what works for you. And, and like one of the recurring themes I always talk about when we talk about planning or journaling is the, I call it the hashtag bujo. Boo, uh, look right. People get intimidated <laughs> by the Instagram bullet journaling spreads, which I just call the hashtag right. bujo, and that that is not what this is about at all, right? You need mm-hmm. to open up the planner, you know, write down the dates or the things you need to do today, and that's as good as it needs to look, right? You're not creating mm-hmm. a hashtag yep. bujo spread, right? So don't be intimidated by the end result of the professionals who've been doing this for a decade, right? You have to get started, like Mike's saying, you know, write down your notes on the left side. Draw yourself, you know, a column on the right side to maybe start adding in some little diagrams and notes, and then those things start working more and more towards each other, and then you get there and right. have, have fun doing it. And uh, yeah, I think that's great. So, um, one of the things that I overthink, and I it's probably a question you get a lot because you know I would be sitting here thinking, okay, well I'm going to sketch note this this web. Uh, this webinar that I'm going to go watch, um, you know, about blogging or whatever, and how can I pay attention to what this person is saying while also taking notes? Oh, and then thinking about doing a little bit of sketch noting as well to kind of like visualize. Like, is there a way to like? get the essence is that is that the idea is trying to get the essence of whatever you're trying to sketchnote down on the page as opposed to getting everything because i think that can be a little bit intimidating as well
1: yeah this is definitely a learned skill that takes time to build so Mm -hmm. again give yourself grace when you begin i would say the thing i always talk about is listening is much more of the secret weapon of sketchnoting than drawing is Mm -hmm. like i think sketch in sketchnoting drawing is actually secondary in my view Really good listening, active listening, and trying to determine like what. So where is this person going with these ideas? Like they're obviously adding things up and they're stacking these ideas on each other, heading for a conclusion of some kind or a huge overall point. Right? Like can I determine what that is and listen? So that would be the first thing: is uh, approach it with a listening mindset. Um, one of the challenges. You, you might be identifying is this feeling like I have to write everything down. That's kind of, mm-hmm. that was the problem I was trying to get away from. Cause what I did is I right. literally tried to write everything down and it was <laughs> terrible, right? It was bad. So yep. the whole point was, how can I like stop, stop my hand from moving, do a lot more mental processing and understanding the concepts and then start seeing like, what is the general idea that this person is talking about? Can I summarize that in a sentence? Can I summarize that in a paragraph? um, maybe they're, you know, revealing it a bit at a time. So you're, it's sort of adding up, but so that would be the first thing. The second thing I would say is going back to, remember, we talked about, maybe you start with a column. I don't believe it's cheating to not draw anything until you're done. So if you are just starting, do the writing first and just leave spaces where you think I want to put a drawing in this circle and that square. And I have, and in this corner, so I have three drawings I'm going to do. And i identify where they're going to be. And then I write around those spaces. And then when I'm done, this idea is in my head while well, it's still fresh. I review my notes and think about what they look like. And then I draw images into the little spots that I've reserved. So that would be a completely normal sketchnote in my view that doesn't, it takes away the pressure of feeling like you have to do both things at once. And then as you start to get comfortable with that idea, again, you start to bring them together where like, as you're starting to process and you're focusing on this listening practice, images were are going to start coming to you and you're just going to probably put them in. And I would say you can write a lot less and you can draw a lot less. So the goal is to kind of really get this, I don't know, compressed or like, you know, we're not trying to make a pot of coffee. We're trying to make a really good espresso with a crema on top, ah. right? That's the goal, right? Yeah. Because on the back side of it, think of it this way. The other problem that I had with the old notes was. I wrote so much that I didn't want to go look at them because there was so much junk in there. Like, I don't want to go through it all again and trying to find out what's valuable. Like, I pushed all that analysis into the moment so that I could capture the good stuff and sort of capture it down in my perspective so that I wouldn't have to do that later work, right? It made reviewing my notes so much more enjoyable because I could scan them in like, you know, five minutes and get the gist and have enough information. And you know we live in the world where the internet will give you anything you want, right? So if I want to dig deeper, I just start doing search queries or something and mm-hmm. dig into the things I want to go deeper on. So really, like, uh, don't feel like you have to be a court reporter. There's probably recordings <laughs> of the thing you're watching. So why are you replicating the recording, right? Just focus more on like, what does it mean to me? What are the things that I will actually apply in my life? Because there's some stuff that's just going to come through like, yeah, I'm never going to do that. So don't write that down. I don't know. Like it's, it's this, this whole process of compression and understanding and figuring out like how to make all these things make sense to you because ultimately you're the one that's going to make use of it in the future.
0: I am just sitting here nodding my head vigorously. Like it's so important to have like good editing, right? Like we can write all these words, but it's Mm -hmm. probably too many words to begin with. And then translating, you know, can I mentally edit this live, like while I'm doing these notes or in, in steps, you know, taking these notes first and then drawing later, you know, as like this editing down to like the, the core process. Like I really, yeah. I really like that idea a lot. Um, any, any other challenges your students have or just hang ups or getting started or any, any last tips on, on getting started Do you, you want to talk about?
1: Yeah, I'd say, you know, drawing is always the big hang up. Yeah. People come to me and say, I can't draw, so I can't sketch do I'm like, sure you can. And mm-hmm. here's a different way to do that drawing. The link that we mentioned before will show mm-hmm. that. Um, so that is a huge one. And I th- what I find is like, so th- this is really funny that um, people that are designers like me often have a harder time than non-artists doing sketch noting Because non-artists don't have anything to unlearn. They don't have perfection of drawing to like unlearn where designers are people who have skills like they actually get hung up, like spending too much time drawing, and then like all the points pass them by, <laughs> right? Someone who doesn't have the drawing skills actually comes at it almost from an inverse perspective, where they're really focused on listening, and then their drawings are simple, and they're happy with that, and it helps them to really capture the information. So I would say, yeah, don't let drawing hang you up. And I, the last thing I'll mention in this is um, I'll send you a show note uh, from the Sketchnote Handbook. We did a video companion. And uh, one of the videos, um, I have a friend who gives a talk and you see me sketchnote it from beginning to end. Oh, cool. And what what's interesting is as you watch it, like he sort of opens, you see his face and he starts to talk and then it switches to me. And you can see like people have commented like, Mike, you're not writing anything. <laughs> like I'm I'm listening and listening. And the stuff that I write was very minimal. Like I was doing it in a pocket notebook and captured this, I don't know. 15, 20 minute talk on two pages of a moleskin notebook. So there's not a lot of space to work with. And yet the gist of the the talk is there. And so I think that will give you like, if you're kind of like, what does this thing even look like when it's being done? That would be really valuable to see. Okay, here's Mike who's got practice and has worked with this. Here's how he approaches it and notice like, man, Mike's not really writing or drawing that much. He's just absorbing a sort of churning it in his mind and then suddenly he's like something goes on the page and it's not exactly one-to-one what John is saying Mm -hmm. it's like a summation or a compression of what he's saying through Mike's perspective and then put on the page so it's kind of a different approach and when you see it I think it helps to see it in action to really see what it looks like and then I think it sort of opens your mind to like oh I can do that right so
0: Absolutely. That's fascinating. Yeah, I think that's super valuable for people to see, especially getting started and and trying to figure out just how this process works. So yeah, that's great. We'll definitely have that link in the show notes. And while you were discussing that, you said the magic word, Mike, you said notebook. So people want to know what you're using. <laughs> so of course, Panatic listeners, we're going to talk about what Mike's favorite uh, analog tools are. First, let's hear from an, another one of our lovely sponsors here this week, and we'll get right back to Mike.
2: This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Penn Chalet, our wonderful supporters of the podcast over at Penn Chalet. We really love everything that they do over there, and you're going to love everything that they sell. They have all of our favorite brands, and they have all of the products that you're looking for, whether you're looking for something from Monteverde, or Pilot, or Sailor, or many more. Maybe you want a rollerball, a fountain pen, a ballpoint, and many more. They have all of it. Always go to Pen first because they're going to have what you want. They do free shipping on orders of over $75 in the U.S. They have great rates internationally. They have low prices on high quality pens. They have sales twice a month. They have... satisfaction guarantee. They do everything. They even do accessories. You know, maybe looking for some stocking stuffers still, carrying cases, pen holders, inks, converters, refills, and so much more. But you should always go to penshalay.com and click the podcast link at the top of the website, enter the password penaddict, and you will see some special offers as well as getting the code that you need to save 10% on anything at any time. Now, there's a really cool exclusive here for penetic listeners this week. The private reserve inks. This is something that we've spoken about a bunch on the show. There is a huge selection of private reserve inks for wonderful prices. Whatever's all we got. See, I'm doing it this week, right? I'm, I'm doing what Brad usually does. We have some Lamy Ale Stars up there. Oh, wow, that is an incredible price on a Visconti Homo Sapien. Maybe you're looking for the Pen Chalet Lucky Cat Penrest. Beautiful little thing. Go over and check it out yourself right now at penchalet.com. P-E-N-C-H-A-L-E-T dot com. Click the podcast link at the top of the website and enter the password Pen Addict for this week's special offer. Our thanks to Pen Chalet for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. All right,
0: listeners, you know I'm going to tell you that the tools don't matter. And Mike is going to tell you that the tools don't matter. But you're not listening to a show called The Pen Addict and think that we're <laughs> not going to say the tools. At least they're fun, right? They're at least fun. We enjoy them. What tools do we use? right? Mike, like anyone can grab a ballpoint or pencil and a napkin or, you know, (laughs) anything they have laying around to sketchnote. We get it. Like that's, that's fine. (laughs) But this is the pen addict. So us pen addicts want to know what kind of tools are you using these days? I know you started when I was listening back to the podcast, we talked about this and Uh, Like the original, some of the original, like first sketch notes when you were traveling, the Moleskine pocket sketchbook, uh, sketchbook, Mm -hmm. and then like the Pilot G two point seven millimeter in black. So Mm -hmm. um, that was well over a decade ago. How have those tools held up? Have you switched? Have you found other things? So what's going on now?
1: Well, I definitely could run with those tools if I needed to because they're. There's still good quality tools. I've sort of m- migrated to a slightly larger A5 page size as my mm-hmm, standard, mm-hmm. just because it gave me a little more freedom. And I started to just feel like that was the natural direction that I was going in. So one of the books that I really like is uh, the Leuchtturm, uh 1917. Yeah. And I really love the new 120 GSM books. The... I think you get fewer pages, but the quality of the paper is really great.
0: Yeah. Those are super nice. Just I think when the past few years, Mm -hmm. they've started doing that. That's great.
1: Yeah. That's pretty recent uh, development. And I still, I still really like the regular non, whatever they're 80 GSM or something for my bullet journal. I actually use those. Mm -hmm. I don't mind the show through like it doesn't bug me. Right. And, um, so that's, but the one twenties, if I'm doing a sketch note, I would do that. Of course I have to be a little biased. Uh, my, -hmm. my friend, uh, Uh, Michael, uh, and I created this thing called the sketch note idea book, which I think you've got some shows where you talk about it.
0: Yep. We're definitely gonna, let's go, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and cover that now. So let's, let's talk about the idea book.
1: So I had, I had been using moleskins for a while and I liked them. Um, I'd even used some sketchbooks from Leuchtturm and some other ones, but I always felt like there was like some, one little thing missing, or I wish I had this thing, or I wish it would be like that. And I ran into uh, to Michael, um, my my partner of the project, uh, over at Airship Notebooks, and he said, "Hey, you know, if you can't find the book you want, we can just make one." It's like, really? <laughs> like, yeah, let's uh, let's just let's start working on it. So we spent I think about a year in the Skunk Works, where Mike would send me s- samples of his books, and I would like hammer them, and you do got do sketch notes in them. Okay, I don't like this. I want thicker paper. I want I love the cover. I want two uh, notebook um bookmarks. I want uh information on the inside, front and back cover to kind of show people how to sketch note. So we then tried some stuff. We ran, we actually had some made. Mike, uh Mike had some made. <clears throat> and then we finally got it to where we felt like, okay, this is pretty good. And and the idea there was number one, had to have really good paper. So we went with a uh, 120 GSM really bright white paper. Uh and it was in a lay flat book. Really important for sketch noting to have that lay flat, especially when you get to the middle of the book. And either end, right? So that was important. I really liked. Mike had found this. Um, I don't know. What we call it. it was a PLM. I guess it's this vinyl material, but it felt sort of leather like or yeah. rubbery or something. And I just really liked the feeling of it. It's tough, uh, but I wanted a different color, so we picked gray as our color. And then um, with the handbook and the workbook, the colors there were like a, kind of a teal and orange, almost like Miami Dolphin colors mm-hmm. have been sort of part of that. So we integrated those in, and then. Designed inside front and back plates that uh, introduced the book, gave some basic concepts and and layouts and other information. So someone was beginning sketchnoting, they could take this book, it would have all the references they need, had a little thing in the back we added for creating icons, and then just tons of great white paper that uh, really works good for sketchnoting. And as it turns out, apparently the paper was really well-loved by um, fountain pen fanatics because... It uh, it, held, it holds really nice uh, for most pens. Um, I think there was uh, my friend Catherine Misuk even did <laughs> she did uh, watercolor on the on the paper and yep. it you know wobbled a little bit but it held up. I was like yeah. holy smokes! So um, we were really happy. We did a Kickstarter. Um, we went way over our uh, estimate and got a ton of people backing us. And then we delivered that in early 2020, and it uh, continues to sell. You can get it for 20 bucks at uh, Airship. Uh, that store, I think, and
0: yeah, well, I'll put the link in the show notes, and, and let me just brag on it r- real quick. As someone who sees a lot of notebooks cross their desk, it is technically awesome. Like, it is an awesome, awesomely built product. It feels great. It looks great. It works perfectly. You know, it has the thick sketch uh, type paper uh, pages. You know, the one hundred and twenty GSM. If you were into this type of thing. You can't get this quality for this price. That's not a hint for the for the other mic to go raise the price now. But, <laughs> um, but no it's it's legitimately great uh it's a great product, right? just from like the technical side of things, and then how you use it on top of that to be able to use all different types of media on there with you know a focus you know behind sketch noting like what you said that like one of the keys is having these little. Tips and notes, you know, as as part of the notebook to help you along the way. But really, the bulk of it is the, a blank notebook for you to go explore sketch noting and or just drawing, writing in general. Like I, I can't recommend it highly enough. I think it's fantastic. Y'all did a really, really good job. Y'all should be proud of that.
1: Well, thanks. I give a lot of the credit to Mike Shiano because he was in the notebook business for years. Yep. When he approached me, so he had all the all the connections. He knew what he could produce, and he had he knew what the questions to ask and. So yep. I think he was a huge part of the partnership going so well because he was such an expert in his space. Yep. And then I brought my expertise and you know you always feel like good partnerships are the ones where you think you got the better end of the deal and both <laughs> people feel that way. So Yeah.
0: Exactly. And it's fun when like the like the the nerds come together in their own little spaces and and come out to make a thing because Like You may not know, and I'm just speaking to this from making things experience, Like you may not know all the details that go into making a notebook, but you know what you want, right? You know it has to end up like this. So you can now have this conversation with Mike and say, well, it has to end up like this. How do we get there? And then he takes Mm -hmm. his expertise and then you come together and make a product that is executed as perfectly as the idea book. So yeah, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. All right, so what uh, What about other pens are, are you using? Are you still yeah. just mostly using like gel pens to, like if you're going out to sketch notes something today um, and you're going to use a notebook, probably the idea book, what pens are you using just for like a live session?
1: Well, actually I've sort of come back around. So I still love gel pens. G2s are great. Uh, uh, Pentel Energels are great. Yep. Uh, even Bic has really nice gel pens. I like them juicy. So 0.7 to 1.0 mm-hmm. are great. I just like that. Uh, dark, rich ink color mm-hmm. but lately I've sort of rolled back to the old retro nineteen fifty one I've got one of these uh matte black i don't yeah. even know what the model is right It should be the um, tornado yeah yeah just the tornado the,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then I've got the uh, retro nineteen fifty one inserts, which I love the mm-hmm. ref five piece really juicy and they roll really nice and so I've sort of come back to that and you know ultimately it's this pretty much the same inner component that's doing the inking, but I just like that heavy brass feeling of that pen right it just feels good in my hand and then i have a a companion which is the retro 51 uh 1951 tornado pencil oh nice which has a thicker um lead size i think it's 1.4 or yep. 1.0 something like that and a soft you know mechanical pencil lead for when i do if i'm in a sketch or anything like that i just like that really loose you know, i want it to like slide almost like butter across the page so right. that would be the pencil i would use um I also have been, in the last couple of years, involved with a company called Neuland in Germany. It's a small family business who focuses completely on markers and tools for mainly graphic recorders, but also sketchnoters. And they have this amazing um, set of pens uh, called the uh, the Outliner. So the Outliner is really fascinating. It's a um, a felt-tip pen, and the pigment in it is permanent, but it is not alcohol-based. It's water-based. Hmm. So you can lay really heavy black on even like, um, uh, like a Leuchtturm 80 GSM page, and it'll not bleed through to the back. It might show through, but it's, uh, it's really beautiful. It doesn't have any scent to it, so you, you, know, you don't have the Sharpie problem. Right. And it just has such beautiful pigment, and it goes all the way down to uh, pretty small bullet point nibs, almost like a Sharpie, and they have big ones too. So the cool thing about it is because it's waterproof, Like I can lay, like when I do a sketch note, I can lay down this black and then come right afterwards once it's dry, which doesn't take long and then drop color on top of it and it won't blend together. So that's huge when you're trying to work fast. So Neuland.com, um, in Germany, they have blacks and colors and all kinds of different shapes and sizes. Uh, the sketch line is the one that I use. It's smaller scale. So bullet nibs, brush nibs, and flex nibs are really great from them, um, Another brand that I really like, too, is a company called Molotov, which is another mm-hmm. German company. Super heavy, black, rich pigment. A um, little bit different formulation. Uh, but that really works well. And then as far as fountain pens, I don't have a ton. I sort of come back and forth with fountain pens. I'm not as uh, nutty about them. Mm-hmm. I like them, but I, they're just not integrated into my life. And, of course, it's um, – what's the, the one that I'm looking at here? The Lamy Safari I've got a nice bright orange one and a couple other ones that occasionally I'll, you know, i just get the um, cartridges and use the cartridges just because it's easy um, to, to run with that. And I really like the feel of the pen body. Um, so that would be the sort of like a pretty simple tool set. I'm, there's probably other stuff around here that, you know, I could look at like uh, Baron Fig Squire is another favorite. Uh, yeah, that uses the that same
0: uh, that same refill as the Retro Fifty One. Yep. So that same yep. refill is great. That's one of my favorite refills. It's the Schmidt P eighty one twenty seven is the yes. co- is the refill that they build around. They they have their own like SKUs like Retro Fifty One, like the they you know market their name or or things like yeah. that. But it's a great rich black refill, and it's 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 kind of wide and wet and rich black, mm-hmm. but it does, it dries fast enough and kind of like the gel markers. And you were saying this ten years ago that you prefer these wider tips because like yeah. if you're drawing, it allows you to like color in quicker, right? Like you're going to have a hard time. Right. If you're, if I'm me picking up one of my 0.38 millimeter pens and <laughs> and doing these sketch notes, and then I, it's it's a little bit slower with the micro fine lines and right takes a little bit longer to fill things in or to shade something if you are doing drawing, even after the fact, right? It's just faster and quicker to, to have these bold, smooth, dark lines. And it also helps mm-hmm. like if you have to transfer um those images into something else. You have like a a yeah. real bold line to be copied or faxed or, or not faxed or just, you know, copied or digitized mm-hmm. anyway.
1: hmm Yeah, they show up well. I, you know, if you're lefty, you might have a challenge with these wider, wetter markers, right? Because mm-hmm. you're gonna mm-hmm. rub across it. So that's where like a 038 or something or a super fast drying ink would help you. Um probably the last tool I'll mention, I just happen to have one on my desk here is the good old Paper make Flare. Still one of my favorite scents. So um, I kind of, what I want, <laughs> my dream is to have Neuland take their pigment and fill it inside Papermate flare pens <laughs> <laughs> because the ink in those is not waterproof, but I still love the, I like the new tips cause they're really sharp. And yeah. I also like the mushy ones. Like I, I would almost use those as two different pens in a way. Um, but they have tons of colors, really popular in the bullet journal community. Um, you can find them. I kind of like this idea that I could find, st- if I could walk into a a corner grocery store any in the world and find the pens and do sketch noting with it right so Exactly. You just don't get so tied down to like having I got to have that pen. It's like I just need a a wide gel pen walk me into a a corner grocery store, a bodega in New York City mm-hmm. and I can find tools to do my work. That's a really great feeling.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. Yeah. I am you know i like my fancy pens and my crazy inks but <laughs> the consistency of finding a good pen that you know you can find anywhere is very very valuable and that's why I like some of these pens that are our fra- favorites and some of the mm-hmm. ones that you're talking about like that's that's why we like them so much it's not just that they're good it's they're accessible and we know they're going to work when we buy them and yeah it's right. fantastic
1: i think like 70 80 years ago that was not even a possibility oh, right like right. you couldn't do that stuff you had it just was a different world for writing. I mean, in some ways maybe better, but like for the immediacy, like we just forget what great technology, this good old ballpoint pens are
0: right. Big time. I'm a huge proponent of, of the basic pens, despite my, uh, my fancy fountain pens. So, (laughs) (laughs) all right, we got a few more things I would want to cover including most importantly, the sketch note handbook, which we've just kind of glossed over a little bit. Um, but, uh, that is the core, core reason why I wanted to get you on today, but let's, hear from our last sponsor on this week's episode and we'll dig into the sketch note handbook
2: this episode of the pen addict is brought to you by ExpressVPN. if you're looking for something new to watch during your holiday downtime let me tell you about something cool over express vpn look maybe you've already watched home alone too many times this year although i'm not sure if you could but hey maybe you have Maybe you're just looking for a change from your usual movies. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location. So if you use something like Netflix, this means you could get a whole library of new content. Because if you didn't know, streaming services, websites, or so Netflix, they have different shows and movies in every country. Like, for example, I might spend some time kicking back I'm watching The Office, The U.S. Office, one of my favorite shows on Canadian Netflix. What if you're like, oh, man, I want to watch Lord of the Rings? Well, Turkish Netflix has it. What about It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? We have it over here in the U.K. on Netflix. Did you know that? Well, if you didn't, you could check it out yourself. It's so simple to do. You just fire up the ExpressVPN app, I should say, on your computer or your TV, change the location, refresh Netflix, and that's it. I do it on my iPad when I'm traveling. It's awesome. ExpressVPN VPN will let you choose from almost 100 different countries. Just imagine all of the Netflix libraries you could go through. But it's not just Netflix. Express VPN will help you access more content on all streaming services. Disney+, iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In general, VPNs, right, they can be slow. And you don't want to watch content. You're going to be buffering all the time. But the reason so many people love ExpressVPN is because it's so fast. You don't see buffering, you don't lag, and everything will stream in HD quality. That is the great reason to try out ExpressVPN. So this holiday season, why don't you give yourself a gift of brand new content? Go to expressvpn.com slash penaddict and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. And it's exp, R-E-S-S, vpn.com slash penaddict, expressvpn.com slash penaddict. To learn more. our thanks to ExpressVPN for the support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right,
0: Mike. So when I was listening to episode 17 of the Panatic Podcast, you were in the planning phases for the Sketch Note handbook. You were working on layouts. I think you had just gotten some covers, cover samples back, some cover art to kind of check it out. So we're 10 years on now from the launch of the Sketchnote handbook. What has that been like for you?
1: Well, it's been a great journey. And, you know, and at that point when we had the podcast, like I wasn't totally sure like what would happen with the book. We, <laughs> you know, we did all these things. My editor was super uh, important. Again, another partnership where we both felt like we got the better end of the deal. And yet, you know, together we became even more powerful that she had experience in publishing and sort of knew like what she wanted to achieve from that perspective and could guide me and help me look better with, you know, editors and all that kind of stuff. But we were both kind of rolling the dice a little bit. So some context is um there's actually two publishing generally two ways you publish a book. One is trade press. That's the stuff you see at an airport or Barnes and Noble. You know, they pay for placement on those shelves and stuff. And there's tech press, which is like O'Reilly, Peach Pit. That's your Photoshop mm-hmm. books, that's your how to code how to code CSS and HTML or something like that or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So there's sort of Generally speaking, two directions, and of course, you can do self-publishing. But at that time, that wasn't quite as prevalent as it is now. So, um, considered going the the trade press route, but the concern was I would sort of be fit into a formula that the trade press would force me into. Like I wouldn't be able to do what we wanted, which was I wanted to be almost completely all drawn and have lots of samples. Um, we wanted to look and feel like it was created by me, but in person. So we, I. I worked with another partner to do a typeface. So yeah. if the, the typeface is in there. We now sell that typeface. And you, if you're an Adobe Creative Suite user, it's accessible to you. If you look for SketchNote in the Adobe Creative Suite, you can use it, right? It's just, it's there for your use. So yeah.
0: And Mike's bearing the lead here. This is his handwritten font. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. You hand wrote this font and had it digitized to use in this book. Yeah,
1: because <laughs> so, so some history is um, I'm an old print, Uh, designer and I did production work and I knew what production meant. If I was gonna handwrite this whole book, like that would be a nightmare with (laughs) typos and stuff. And I thought, I should be smart. I should have a typeface made from my handwriting. So then I worked with this guy Delve, Witherington, to produce it, which was great. It helped it's helped so much, right? So we wanted that to be part of it. We wanted I wanted lots of people from the community. You know, we talked earlier about how I'd made this decision that community was so critical to sketch noting. I wanted to have other people's work represented either as samples um we gave whole spreads i think seven spreads were given to other people that weren't weren't me right because i didn't want what i didn't want was this book to come out and it's like oh this is the mike Rody sketch sketchnoting book um you have to do it just like him right there would sort of be this barrier for some people so i wanted to make sure there there's like librarians in there that had samples so so we had all these ideas like even the design of it the cover texture the we went with black and orange instead of full color intentionally. So, all these things that we thought, like, that's the book we want, right? We're always told, like, make the book you want to see. That's what we did. But it was unknown. Like, I don't know. I mean, there's a bunch of UX designers who do sketchnoting. We'll probably sell two, three hundred, (laughs) maybe. We didn't know. Like, you know, we just kind of rolling the dice a little bit. And as it turned out, I think a lot of it was luck. Like, coming out at the time we did was the right time and people were kind of doing it the community was starting and so um it it sort of hit and people started buying it right we did a lot of guerrilla marketing too lots of samples sent out i was on a lot of podcasts like yours mm-hmm. um i sort of told the story of making the book as i made it on my blog at the time so that was kind of a unique perspective and so you know it was sort of a guess in a lot of ways it's a little bit like a startup right you sort of put all the pieces in you think will work and hope people will spend the money and buy your thing. And it just turned out that it, it did work. Um, then went on to be translated into a bunch of languages. I always have to say them out because I can't remember the number. I think it's seven or eight. So German, French, wow. Russian, Ukrainian, Chinese, Vietnamese, um, probably some I'm missing uh, in there uh, wow. as well. So um, it's not an easy book to translate either because you need a designer to kind of like convert some of the stuff to to fit your culture, right? So it's not mm. an easy lift for someone to to do it. So having, you know, seven or eight translations is pretty cool. So um it's been really fun to see and it continues to sell because I think the last thing I'll say about it is part of our intentions in addition to like all the features of it was we want this to be the principles of sketch noting that are evergreen. They don't change whether you use an iPad or you use a piece of paper, it doesn't matter. The principles will remain the same. This is how we approach it. Here's a bunch of different ways to do it and a lot of practical step-by-step ways to get you into this into this thing. Uh and I think that's why it's continued to sell because it really doesn't ever go out of style, right? It's just these principles that always apply. And that means, you know, 10 years later you can buy the book and it's still relevant and not out of style like, you know, a Photoshop book that just got mm. you know, they just did an upgrade and now you right. got to throw all the stuff away and start over or some portion. So we didn't we didn't face that. I think that really helped us. And that was an intention to be evergreen because that Peach Pit Press who did the publishing, they, re- they weren't in that space. They were doing the Photoshop things that changed every six months and required all these updates. So they kind of wanted to move in this other direction. So it was a little bit of a bet that they took and it's done well. I mean, they're doing really well, too, because it's been selling for 10 years, I think asked my editor and i think she <laughs> she counted up 60,000 copies have sold since uh, 10 years ago so wow. and that's like no marketing budget all guerrilla marketing all word of mouth so that's i felt really good about that
0: yeah and and you should like you should be super proud of that because like you were kind of saying making an evergreen green product like it's literally just as popular if not more so than when you created it back then and it's still the same content and the same content is going to be consistent and learning how to do this and you know it's 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 fun to see a product like this just kind of go on and, and live this life and continue it it's like it hasn't like got away like you were saying like the photoshop thing you know went away in six months and now it's this different version like this just keeps going and going and it's just fun to watch and it's cool to see and it's cool to see all the things you're involved in related to it like there's a, there's a workbook like you can get with the sketchnote handbook mm-hmm. too right and all your videos and Teaching, Tell me kind of like, you know, the big, big umbrella sketchnote handbook, what all, you know, uh, what all is involved with that aside from just the handbook itself, like with the workbook and classes and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, that's great. Uh, I always wanted to provide a wide variety of things. So uh, the handbook, of course, would be sort of like the foundational piece that sort mm-hmm. of introduces the concept. The workbook sort of takes the idea of the handbook and ex- spreads it out and says, what else can you use sketch noting for? You can use it for ideas, you can do use it for travel, you can use it for food, you can use it for all these different things. Agile development can be useful for there. So I just took all these things that were I was experimenting with and put it into a book and showed practical ways you could apply it in everyday life. That's what the workbook focus was. Uh, then of course, the idea book, which we talked about is you know the the medium or the canvas on which you can do sketch noting that's ideal for sketch noting for a lot of reasons. And then there's of course the free stuff I'm doing on YouTube, which is uh the 20-minute introductory you can find there. But then I've started doing uh the sketchnote uh the sketchnote army podcast, which is interviews with sketchnoters and visual thinkers. Just really fascinated to hear like how they work, how did they get into this space? Um so if you're into it, it's something you can listen to. It's weird to have a visual thinking podcast, right? Because there's no visual component. But the last couple of years I've been uh putting uh, videos online. So, you can see the people talking and sometimes they share things on screen. So, that's another component. And then the biggest thing lately has been um, doing this live workshops. I really felt like uh, workshops that are just recorded and dead on a website are okay, but there's no accountability. Like, you can start it and no one ever knows whether you finish it. And my goal wasn't to sell workshops. It was to help people do sketch noting. So, I thought, well, what if I sort of flip it on its head? What if I did a live performance where People would pay to come and see me do a workshop live, do a presentation, do drawing, teach things where it's all live and it's happening in that moment. And of course, we'll record it and you can buy the recording after the fact. So I've done a couple of those, one on lettering and most recently on layout, which, you know, it's it's kind of fun to like, I feel like maybe things could go sideways and go wrong and how would I adapt to it? So that improv sort of approach. Um, and those have been really fun for me. People who attend them really like them. Um, and so I'm going to con- continue doing that and breaking down like one aspect of sketch noting and going like really deep on it, so that by the end I'll have this whole suite of uh, teachings uh, that you could either attend live or see recordings of and write break- richen and, and deepen your practice.
0: Yeah, that's super cool. And I, I was thinking about you know having the guests on like the the sketch note army or any any you know visiting sketch that you work with. Has there been any place that sketchnoting has come up that really kind of caught you off guard like someone sharing like someone noting something like completely random you know like in antarctica <laughs> at the at the base station there was this sketchnoter there like have you ever have you ever had anything that's just like tripped you out like wow that's really a thing with sketchnotes
1: well i have a, a good friend now rob Demio is a friend of mine he's a physicist and he's really applied sketchnotes in the physicist the space, I don't know how you say this. Yeah. <laughs> physicist space, right? Where physicists live and work. And he's he really got into it and he has been really doing great work practicing like taking these complex um topics and using visuals to communicate them. Mm. Um so the installation where he works called NIST, he worked with someone to do a sketch noted introductory video to explain what they do and all that kind of stuff. He Regularly sketch notes concepts uh from visiting uh scientists who come to his installation to speak he's got like the smartest people in the entire world, and mm. he can go go and see them right so he because he's got a science background, he can prepare and produce really excellent sketch notes that for other physicists and scientists are valuable because it sort of breaks down the thinking into clear structures so that that's That was one where like, man, when I started out, I would have never imagined that (laughs) physicists were using sketchnoting to communicate ideas, but it's, it's kind of like that community seems like it's really adopted it in some regards. So that's, that was really cool. And probably the weirdest experience I had was I was invited to go to Prague in relation to the release of the language translation Mm -hmm. and the, the, the handler, I guess the person who helped me and my wife go there said, Hey, you want to be on TV? And I was like, Uh, I guess so. So, um, we got up super early in the morning in Prague and we drove to the outskirts of Prague to this TV station. And I was on like the Prague, uh, Czech Republic morning show talking about sketch notes and showing some samples. And, uh, it was really bizarre, like the most bizarre experience (laughs) and. but amazing and fun at the same time. And my wife was right there watching me. It was pretty great.
0: That's awesome. I love that so much. Yeah. I remember seeing you sharing those pictures. That was, that was, that was hilarious. So really, really cool. So, um, anything, anything new or different coming up in, in, in sketchnote world that you want to, you want to share, you got everything covered. Well, we, um,
1: uh, January 11th is sort of, <laughs> we've decided that's world sketchnote day. So we just nice. celebrate sketchnoting and post it up. We, uh, Someone picked January 11th because it looked like three pencils standing up one, one, one. So <laughs> that was that was about the level of uh, thinking. It was just sort of fun. That's my, you know, that's my level fun. of thinking. I love it. Yeah. So that's coming up in January on the 11th. And then uh, it sounds like there's, uh, there's something called the International Sketchnote Camp, which is this community of sketchnoters that gathers together. They teach each other. It's super welcoming and friendly and family. It was in Poland this last year, uh, in Western Poland and i i i hear that it's going someplace this coming year i don't know where it's going yet or i can't share it um, but that's coming in probably next fall september august okay. september so we're pretty excited about that coming and uh the other thing i could say is um the next live workshop that i'm planning uh is uh how i create icons so oh nice you know these these workshops are basically uh my approach and my the way that i do the work that I do. I sort of take you inside my thinking and deconstruct it. So I'm going to deconstruct like how do I do icons? Where do I do my research? How do I gather them together? And also talking a little bit about metaphors that's coming early sometime early in 2023. I'm just starting the planning for that. So that'll be fun if you want to see what the live workshop looks like. And of course you can uh, go to my website and buy the uh, the recordings of the past ones if you're into that. So
0: love it. Love it all right, Mike, well, we'll have to not wait 10 years to do this again. <laughs> uh, that's for sure. Maybe you'll have to get me out to uh, maybe one day I'll come, I'll come watch one of your classes and, and do Brad sketch noting, uh, during that. And that would be, that would be fun. And, uh, there we, we go. We could do that. So, Thanks so much. Uh, where can everyone find you online? I'll have a bunch of links in the show notes to find, you know, all Mike's websites, the sketch note handbook, the ideal book, all the fun stuff we talked about today. Anything else you want to plug Twitter, Instagram, any of that fun stuff?
1: I would say the two places I would recommend is just rodesign.com, My site, that's where all the books and all the stuff I'm up to is at. And, uh, I hang out mostly on Instagram just because it's visual. So it's uh, again, Roadesign. there. If you look for me, I'm road design pretty much everywhere. If I've grabbed someplace so we could even like a mastodon or (laughs) someplace I've got those that handle sort of reserved. So that's a good way to find me.
0: I'm working that path too. All right. Well, we appreciate you and uh, everyone can find me. I'm uh, at penaddict.com and you can find all my links to everything there. And uh, I really appreciate you, Mike, spending some time with me today to talk about sketchnoting. We'll talk to you again soon.
1: Thanks.